and gentlemen, welcome to the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. I am your host, lover of Scott Colton and things related to him, Damian Ellinghouse, accompanied as always by the true stan of Chicago himself, Ryan Doyle. I have head of legal here, Damien, just to uh, clear some things before we continue. I am going to kick you in the fucking face. Yeah? Yeah. So, look, unless you've been living under a rock, stuff's happened. Uh, You've been without your poppies. And we're not talking about Ray and Rhea. We're not talking about petty squabbles. No, of course, we're talking about the pettiest of squabbles and the meltdown following AEW All Out. Uh, You must excuse the prolonged absence. Yours truly is a little scholarly boy. I go to and fro with books in tow. Yeah, hottest... uh Hottest backstage uh, debacle in the last decade, and Damien decides to play school. That's fun. Good job. That's what I did. I said, we don't need to cover this extremely uh, relevant and momentary point in time. Um, I need to go talk about saving the world. So that's um, that's what what's happening. That's what's happening in my life. Uh, But before we get into that. Uh, there's a more important thing to talk about, which is the fantasy football week one behind us, baby. The drafts are in and I, I did not do well, but somehow won. I, okay. So you tell me yours. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell you how I'm pretty sure I'm a curse for anyone that faces me. One point from Darnell Mooney, zero yep. points from Devonta Smith. Correct. Four points from CD lamb. Well, that's rough. And yet, I did not score the lowest points in the, my league this week, which is funny. I would have beaten the lowest score by one point. So it's been a disastrous week. I think all across the board, uh, scoring was down. If I, it was it, weird. I could be, you know, it's. I'm not worried. I won my league last year, so I don't like. There's no like. There's no pressure for me this year. I, the only thing is, I have Eckler and McCaffrey this year in my yep. main league. So yep. I. The last time I went went run running back heavy. I know, like the theory is, is like n- people go no running backs, but it's too uh, the four is too good to not utilize that, in my opinion. But uh, the last time I went running back heavy, I had Kamara and Todd Gurley, and I pretty much I walked to the championship that year. Didn't didn't win it, but uh, hopefully they can carry me because my wide receivers are not good. Isn't it crazy how, like, there was a period of, like, two years or so where Todd Gurley was, like, that fucking dude, oh, and, dude then ev- yeah. and then and then everyone decided he was actually not good ever? Well, I'm not down for the talk that, like, you know, you shouldn't pay running backs, because I think that's detrimental to the players' union. I think that's detrimental to solidarity to your teammates. But it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I it's rough think- going. The 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 era of the bell cow running back is over. You are, you know, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are the last of their kind. Uh, I think just passing has just been. It's like the three point in NBA. You know, it's all about passing. It's all about mobility. It's all about 
you know, West Coast offense type styles. So I think, you know, you're not going to see it's the, it's the year of the wide receivers, the era of the wide receivers, the era of the mobile quarterback. So running back, you know, and this happens, you know, when we were growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was all about the quarterback. Like, you know, you, you had to really focus on, you know, position like you know that was like the only position that you had to focus on like you just needed a brett Favre type to throw 400 yards and take all the welfare money from mississippi yeah yeah if you if you get yourself like a montana or a steve young or a you know young then you're you were set i uh i drafted similarly Uh, i took mccaffrey at number one i know oh why wasn't it jonathan taylor but i think afraid whatever he's like like I it is what it is. I like to live dangerously. When I won the league, uh, Christian McCaffrey was right in tow with me, and the boy is my ride or die. Uh, I also drafted Darnell Mooney and Devonta Smith, and also focused on running backs. So uh, I put up the fourth lowest total, but I won because going back to last year, I started off like eight and zero or some shit, and I might have finished first or second. I had like the second lowest points scored, but anybody that played me had like their worst week of the year. Yeah, it's funny how it works out like that, right? Like I I am a cursed person to face. It's not about, oh, Damien's team's going to do great. It's about Damien is going, I'm the Dan Housen of fantasy football. That's what I am. Uh, I don't know if it was last season, but two seasons ago, we had somebody in our league that had the third highest points and didn't make the playoffs. So it's just such a fucking crapshoot. Works out weird like that. Um, I also made an incredibly risky gambit today, and I am deciding to trade Cordero Patterson for Elijah Moore. Uh, it's a big gamble, but I've got McCaffrey and Nick Chubb as my running backs, yeah, and I mean, my rarely... starting receivers are Amon St. Ra- Brown, who, yeah. you know, the sun get, god. Get that wide receiver death. Amon Ra St. Brown. And then, like, I can't have my number two be Darnell Mooney. Give me at least, like, somebody with a floor I, and a high ceiling. I have more faith in Darnell Mooney than I do Devonta Smith right now, just because... Absolutely. Darnell Mooney doesn't have an A.J. Brown in front of him. Right. And I'm, the targets are there for Devonta Smith, so don't worry about that, owners. But, uh, I don't know. We are, uh, we're I seven minutes... I got my beautiful Kadarius Tony waiting to just pop off. You kept him? I got it for $2 because my friend threw him out as a joke in our auction league. And I was like, $2. And everybody just yeah, like, fuck it. didn't. I was like, hey, listen, you know, the the thing that I hope for is that he gets traded. And then, you know, he just breaks out, breaks out. But we'll see. Yeah, I picked up. Uh, I'm still waiver priority. So I picked up the kid Phillips from Tennessee because they don't really have like a star now that AJ Brown's gone. And then I picked up Young Hoku because that is my son. Uh Seven and a half, eight minutes into this podcast, and everyone's like, wow, I'm so glad FFC is back. We're finally going to get to hear what they have to say about AEW, and uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're not that podcast anymore. Nope. We are, uh, what's, uh, what's Hecker's new podcast? All Gas, No Breaks. There you go. That's us. We're All Gas, No Breaks, baby. Uh, shout out Chris Hecker. Okay. Ryan, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking on nine o'clock at a Wednesday, a nice Polish seltzer. I got a little, uh, Georgia peach action. I have three, uh, founders all day chill days in front of me, which I think are like, I get their session brewed like a lager. Nice. Uh, cause it's been, it's been a long day of meetings and 
you know, they're sessions. So, it's like, what kick, you know, kick back? It is what it is. He kicked back a little bit. I right? will be visiting the beautiful city of Syracuse this weekend, so I will see what uh, wares they have to offer there amongst their breweries and beverage barns. Hopefully, I can uh, pick up some nice things. Ah, uh, yes, Syracuse, the crown jewel of North Middle New York. Yeah, Middle, and eh, maybe it's more East. No, I feel like it's Middle. I think it's Middle. I don't know geography. A little bit. Like the middle, I would say was like not Albany because it's kind of like it, no Albany's east, like Ithaca. I guess is maybe I guess it is middle. central New York. Yeah, I would say yeah that. north north central north middle. All right, you twist, I crack. Refreshing sounding. Hmm. My wife is out of town for two weeks, so uh oh, dad's dad's living dangerously. My, I wonder my, how drunk I can get tonight. <laughs> I actually have only like drank drank like that once because it was Sunday, and like I had three separate plans all fall through, mm-hmm. and I was like, "All right, I guess I'm just gonna make this chili and cornbread, have lunch for the week, and uh, I'll just casually drink." And then I got really fucking bored of being in my house, so I was like, "I'll go to a bar for the night game." So I came back home and I was like, I had a good, healthy time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been it's just been me, Mercury, and 12 hours of video games. Okay. So uh following All Out, which was frankly one of the more divisive, if not the most divisive pay-per-view in AEW's history, right? Uh we are now talking about it's September 14th. Uh so I guess All Out was two weeks ago, right? First week in September. Um, so CM Punk and John Moxley's weird program culminated in their main event match in which CM Punk went over clean while like, yeah, like he, he, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in the builds of all of this shit, but like, I enjoyed the pay-per-view, but there were some misses. And, of course, it was the same weekend as Clash at the Castle, which was, I mean, a very strong pay-per-view with a really strong main event that I just didn't love the ending on. Uh, So all I'll say about any of this, because, again, old news, I'm sure anybody that's listening has watched, but if you haven't, Clash at the Castle, two matches that you definitely want to make sure you watch. Uh, uh, You know what? You you could just watch the pay-per-view in general. Uh, a lot of standouts. The women's match ended a little abruptly, um, but, you know, tells a good story of Bianca standing tall against Control, uh, Io Sky, formerly Io Shirai, the returning Bailey and uh, Dakota Kai. Um, Sheamus vs. Gunther was just like a good old-fashioned classic slobber knocker. If you're somebody who's a fan of that, like, Southern wrestling, AJPW Kings Road style, and you just want to see dudes beat the shit out of each other, and like that's what you're into wrestling for. This is as old school as you are gonna get. Uh, Which is something I great, think WWE should focus on. Honestly, I think you know AEW is kind of accessing that market, but they kind of pump the brakes on it a little bit. I feel well. I, I think I mean like that's unfair. No, to no, say, no. But. I th- I think you have a point in that. WWE, of course, have its has its roots in in the NWA, right? While it was based in Connecticut and New York, you know, before 
you know, WWWF became WWF. Uh, it had all of the NWA stars of the day come through. And like, you know, Bruno San Martino was a average size guy with a big build whose whole thing was, yeah, I'm gonna beat you up. Uh, and then, of course, All Japan, very much taking that NWA style, it has Gaijin like uh, like Stan Henson, who I-, I would say like John Moxley is probably, and like Eddie Kingston are the two closest to that style, but they focus more on strong style. This was like, this was a brutal pummeling match that was very reminiscent of like your early 80s wrestling. Yeah, and like Sheamus's stupid move where he just beats on people's chest like look how it's crazy fun. the crowd goes for it and good for him it's man fun. you know i i imagine he's gonna start winding down soon so you know do i want him going over on walter no but i do want to see him sorry i'm sorry are you are you Gunther. dead naming dead our intercontinental him. champion he didn't go back now they can't go back now right I, I don't he's kind know. Of embraced it. He's kind of a new guy. He lost all that weight. I think he wants to be good. He there. said something about he's he took his his uh not you. Hello. His grandfather's name. Sure. His opa's name. Uh so like fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm uh, your opa pal. I wanted Seamus to win because he would have been the first like true Grand Slam champion in WWE history. It's kind of wild, right? Or is there one other? No, it would be him, right? If you ex if you exclude the Universal Champion, oh, I forgot he he won Goldie too. Yeah, he he won Goldie off of Brian Daniel uh, off of Daniel Bryan, right? Yeah, wasn't that that Mm -hmm. SummerSlam match? And he also held the uh, heavyweight for a spell. He, I think, I forget which one was his first title. He won it pretty young. He won, but yeah, because he was the 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 story was he was Triple H's uh, heavy uh, weightlifting partner. Right, right. But I mean, he had a good look for late aughts WWE. Oh my God, no, no, no! You keep talking. Apparently, apparently, the food that I fed her isn't enough. It's not enough. It's never enough. See, folks, this is what happens when you share a bank account with your cat. It's never enough. It's never. It's never goddamn enough. Continue. No, I'm just saying he has a good. He had a good look for late aughts WWE. I feel. But, you know, I mean, it was just Seamus always got held under the I don't know what you want to call it. He was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And he was there to be as a gatekeeper. Uh, He kind of reformed his look into like this Neolithic Celtic warrior when he just put a little braid in his beard when he came back that one time. He also took like the brunt of the bad will from people who did not like Daniel Bryan's match with him because like, sure. Daniel Bryan was, you know, he was, I don't know. Was he considered like a full heel? Like when he, when AJ was like his valet? No, I think when it came down to that is that it was a smaller enclave of people, but there were the internet wrestling community that were aware of what Daniel Bryan was capable of and maybe throwing him out there in an 18 second match. Wasn't the answer, but he was a heel at the time. Yeah, kind of I don't fit rem- with this character. I don't remember the crowd like necessarily loving that decision either just because it was like I remember watching it and even as like a lapsed fan I was like what the fuck was this? So you know what it was? It's not even like Seamus's fault. It's like you got two brutes exactly. out there. Let him fucking go, you know. It wasn't Seamus's like, fault. People, I'm sure people were excited for that match in terms of just like oh this is going to be the work rate match of the night. Yeah. And you got you got classic hey, 18 seconds. 
Like we're just here to to make a mark tonight and make a memorable moment. Absolutely, all all about the moments. But yeah, what especially like once Sheamus and Cesaro made the bar, like that was. I feel like that was when Sheamus truly became like over, over. And now that he's kind of in the sunset of his career, arguably putting on his best work, he's his look is terrific. He's in absolutely incredible mm-hmm. shape. Uh, and, and and so is Gunther. Gunther, you know, you can say what you say about uh, he who shall not be named, but uh, whether that was his call or not, Gunther extended his wrestling life by several years with his transformation. And anyway, the match was was incredible. Uh, Seth versus Riddle was a really like good, solid, easy story with a really great match. Oh, Sheamus's first five star match, by the way. No shit. Yeah. Wow. He really earned it. Good for him. Uh, Seth and Riddle just, just, they, they put on an absolutely outstanding match and Seth shockingly getting the win was, uh, really cool that, and the, the, the camera shot of the crowd singing while he conducted like, Oh yeah, that's great. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, the camera works so much better. Cause you know, it's still, it's still Kevin Dunn, but there are like these moments that like, like that where I'm like, huh, that's, that was missing. That was missing in the product. That it does feel a little different. Yeah. Um, and in the main event, Drew versus Roman. Uh, this is no disrespect to Roman at all. Who both of these men were incredible. Roman just spending the first eight minutes of the match, like not no Usos, no Paul Heyman, just like shaking his head, not understanding why the crowd is so vehemently against him. Like, it just he sold so well this moment. My only complaint is that this feels like a moment where like maybe an audible should have been called. I understand though that ultimately you're talking about uh from WWE's perspective the most significant reign since Punk, you know, since AJ Styles more than AJ Styles. The most significant reign since Punk, the most, you know, they're and they're not trying to evoke punk and they're not you know they're trying to evoke bruno san martino that's there that's who they want you to think of they want you to think of this as like the best reign you'll see in your lifetime so i get not calling an audible but jesus christ cardiff was just they were it, they were so good the right. whole time yeah uh, i think there was just a production error you know i don't i think that was a classic like when the lights when the cameras turn off you know you have the celebrity come out and they sing a little song in the ring and everybody goes home happy. But I think that, you know, it didn't really take away anything from me. I, th- we, I think we both wanted and called Drew to win just because of the the way he was speaking and the way he was conducting himself the weeks it leading felt, up to the match. It felt it like felt he, right. something was going to happen, but I understand why they're not going to do it. I just have, I mean, like, I guess Cody is the, the answer. Yeah, Cody, Cody's the answer. And that's fine. It's just a classic WWE. It's like, all right, we got to wait. Cody's presumably back in January, but we got to wait till March essentially to to have this go down. He'll be back at the Rumble. Ignore the timeline. He'll be back for the Rumble. I promise. Oh yeah, and no, I'm just saying he'll that win the, it. The the, the the yeah yeah March is so we're unless get, hey they can, I mean like yeah but they un, have to unless be Cody with doesn't it. win the Rumble because they want to make sure that the Rock faces Roman with a title. I, I don't know. Whatever. Not it's it is we'll what see. it is. But so so while WWE largely hits this like this grand slam haha uh in Cardiff uh all out felt weird 
in some ways. Uh, AEW just feels weird in some and ways. And there were some injuries like in the matches or before the matches that just, you know, like Christian Jungle Boy uh, being a squash with Luchasaurus officially turning is like, that's a cool moment, but like this feels like a weird, it felt like a weird note to do for this feud currently, but it was because Christian was injured, so they're like, all right, let's Let's oh, is that sell. What ha- I didn't even realize that. He yeah, got Christian's hurt. Christian's legitimate. That uh, arm sling was legitimate, or the the like cast thing that he was wearing, the brace. So like he's out for a while. So I, I understand that in that moment they're like, all right, we don't want him to get squashed. Let's make the feud with Luchasaurus happen, and yeah. you know, Christian will. Co- so I, I get it. But when you're watching in the moment, you're like, the fuck is this? Like why? Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with uh. Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs. Again, I think that ended short because of injury. So this like hot feud that AEW fans were really excited about just kind of peters out and Hobbs gets the win again. What I did get you it. like about? So Paul. what I, I mean, I liked frankly more than I didn't like uh, the trios match with the elite and uh, uh, Dark Order with, or, you know, Hangman with the Beaver Boys was a real classic of a match. Uh, Kenny and Hangman's chemistry was electric. The, you know, the Hangman, like, not letting Reynolds or or um, Silver, like, beat up on the Bucks double team because, like, he's trying to, you know, be friendly with them again. It all worked. So, like, that match was great. Uh, Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed, arguably match of the night. The crowd Ooh. went fucking wild I for Max it, and, and 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 Bowens, and we get a rematch of that next week at Grand Slam. So, like, obviously, and that that also felt like a moment where, like, do you, do you really not call an audible? Do you need to keep the belts on Swerve in our glory in that moment? You know, yeah. I, it, I again, I'm not here to try and play fantasy booker. I get it, and I, you know, well, but. Here's one thing. So with the trios match, right? Obviously, Kenny and the Young Bucks are going to win. However, I did not think it was that obvious. It wasn't that obvious. Maybe, but maybe they, that's they, they, me. Maybe that's naivete. Well, I just like, you know, I think it was just a matter of you, you had to in that situation. Yeah. But they did it correctly, especially with Johnny Hungy kicking out of the one wing angel. Like, not kicking you, out. Not kicking out. He got set up for it and rolled Kenny up. Okay, still significant, still, but still. it's not kicking out. As long as you that would be hysterical if the people to break out of the one winged angel were were Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, and John Silver. Well, here, but you know, as long as you as long as you sprinkle those things in the match where you don't like you lose, but you lost in a great way, even though that's kind of an oxymoron. As long as you do that, like that's how you deliver on something that probably shouldn't happen, but did. And, and, and that, also, yeah. Kenny looked amazing. Kenny looked like the the healthiest I have seen him since like the G one twenty seventeen. Healthiest I've seen him. And with yeah, I'm glad they finally shed all that rock tape in his shirt that he was wearing because that man is too beautiful to be wearing a fucking. <laughs> uh, skin tight dry light shirt yeah it was on purpose but agreed agreed uh one thing i just want to say with swerve in our glory and keith lee like it's it's i don't know if it's, it's obvious to some people it looks like they're going to turn on each other i think they did that even when they won the belts that one match where yeah, like they, swerve is awkwardly been looking at keith. but what they did is that they cemented like even though me and you have no 
issued claiming this a year ago, but now the acclaimed are like, all right, like they're ready to fucking go. I don't know. They they, they yeah. were like made men in that match after that moment. Well, and here's and and it's relevant because okay, right? So so anyway, and then like Punk goes over on Moxley. Uh, the match was good. I thought it was a good match. I thought you know Moxley did really well, but there was a moment where things started looking a little weird for for Punk. Uh, which then leads to the now infamous media scrum, which some in the media are calling the gripe bomb, which is my favorite phrase I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Where CM Punk uh, rips into Colt Cabana, real name Scott Colton, for the lawsuit that happened over a decade ago, uh, rips apart the elite, uh, calls out Hangman by name. This is obviously not kayfabe. Go calls out Colt Cabana, makes fun of him for sharing a bank account with his mom, and basically shits on some of the most important people in the company with Tony Khan right next to him, who is just kind of like nodding along and like smiling at some points and being weird. And it was just, and he starts it by picking out in a journalist that he knew had a connection to Colt Cabana because, and also like when punk got hired, he asked Tony Khan a question about like, do you expect there to be tension or whatever? It was like, a fair fucking question, but you know, whatever. Uh, and then a fucking fight happens backstage, which has had a thousand different takes. But what we understand from what we can tell is, uh, CM Punk returns to his locker room with a steel, his, uh, longtime partner and coach who had shown up on AEW TV for the first time the week prior, uh, and mind you, this is all following this very weird storyline where CM Punk tries to make this into like a Moxley squashed me and now you have to fight all of Chicago. But like you tried to do that in two weeks and it was fucking weird. And like Chicago did not hate Moxley enough for that storyline to work. So, you know, not that like the crowd went mild, but it was already kind of odd circumstances because of the injury. Uh Retires to the locker room with Ace Steel. Ace Steel's wife is present, as well as CM Punk's dog, Larry. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega appear to show up with, we assume, what we what we know, Christopher Daniels, current head of talent relations, uh, the head of AEW Legal, uh, and, you know, it looks like Brennan Cutler and Nakazawa. And uh, it, first, CM Punk tries to... CM Punk's people leaking and at this point shit is going left right like the media is going on a frenzy the bucks enter somewhat aggressively punk and a steel attack uh punk punches matt jackson throws a chair at nick hits him in the face a steel bites kenny omega uh on the head everyone gets fucking suspended and just like before we even go further uh, I don't know that I've been alive. Like, yes, I've been alive for like the end of WCW, but I don't know that I've been like a huge follower of wrestling and this aware of shit and had something this like insane happen that I can think of, at least as long as I've been watching. The only things that I can really compare to, which kind of pales in comparison to the aftermath of it with this many people involved, uh, 
was it Sean that pulled out? It was Brett pulled out Sean's it, hair in that. In I don't. That yeah, scuffle. that's that's like the closest comparable. Like, but you know, they, uh, Brett punching Vince. But I mean, the the book was closed at that point. Brett yeah. was leaving one way or another, and I think in a weird Vince way, he's like, "I took it. Uh, you know, it was fine." Because in that instance, Undertaker made Vince go in the room. But regardless, and then there's also one that also came to mind where like Ric Flair like put his thumbs in, in Eric Bischoff's eyes that yeah. one time. But again, like that's just old heat from WCW. There was no repercussions for that. Yeah. yeah this is some, this is like some fucking 90 shit that really happened. And it's, it's, we don't know how to react to it. And, and there was so much, and of course this is also like now overshadowing the return of MJF, who earlier in the mat, earlier in the night, was handed the Casino Royale chip by Stokely Hathaway. Dude, it overshadowed the mask. entire. It overshadowed your WrestleMania for the year. Nobody yes. was talking about that program whatsoever. No, d- done. It, it. We're not doing that anymore. We're not talking about that anymore. We're we're doing this, and it becomes readily apparent very quickly. Uh, this is this is not a work. AEW and and but AEW deserves all of that questions because they've been playing too many fuck fuck games with mm-hmm. like the MJF shit was enough but they they have leaned too far into the like what's reality and maybe you can try and argue like oh they're trying to bring kayfabe back but like you can't do that anymore it just doesn't I, work I will argue in favor of that because they have to see the problem is that they did it they did it two months before and then they kind of just dropped it, you know? So, but just overall irresponsible. I mean, everybody melts her two weeks before. It's like something bad's going to happen here. Yes. I'm glad we didn't talk about, like the first thing I wanted to do that Monday morning was talk to you about it, but I'm glad we let it, we actually let it play out whether or not that was on us or not. Well, we're seeing something interesting. It, it was like it, we had shit going on, but there was also a conscious decision that like this dynamite it, that happened last week is going to be incredibly important. Maybe we should wait to see what happens oh, yeah. before we speculate. Okay. With that in mind, I want you to play devil's advocate here because I'm okay. I'm imagining that, you know, there's no sides here, but the way things are playing out is that CM Punk you know, even if that fight didn't happen, he's in the wrong. Can you play devil's advocate for Punk right now? Uh, you want me to play devil's advocate in kayfabe or like no, I, I real, know like, that this shit is real, real life? No, no, like real life. Like okay, w- okay. So if you're if you're gonna play devil's advocate and like, all right, but why is this not on Punk? Right, and if, and there are sides there, you know, because there are people that hate the elite, like Jim Cornette's fucking creaming himself because he loves tough guy Punk. But okay, whatever. If you're if to play devil's advocate, we do not actually know whether or not the elite were in fact making rumblings about Cole Cabana being banished to Ring of Honor. Uh, and whether or not they were like spreading rumors that that was because of CM Punk. We also do not actually know whether Hangman used that line. We can presume based off of history, like Hangman probably just meant it in good faith to like, 
He's he's, you know, cutting a promo. However, we don't actually know that Hangman and Elite are friends with Cole Cabana. For all we know, that was 100 percent a real life dig at Phil Brooks Uh, to go further. Punk then gets injured. Yes, it's his fault. But injuries are injuries like everybody loved that he was jumping into the crowd and until he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden it's like, you giant idiot. Why did you ever do that? Uh, and then AEW finds themselves in a position where they put the title on Moxley, their other biggest star. And like, what are you, are you going to end CM Punk's reign before it ever begins? And you're going to have him lose in Chicago. And then following that tension running high, we then find out that CM Punk like tore his, not his, I think he tore like his tricep on a, on a tope suicida. So we know he's now in a ton of pain. He knows he's going to have to drop the title. Maybe he doesn't know that at the time, but he's immediately thinking it. He goes off and Tony Khan at no point stops him. So he is presuming that Tony Khan is therefore okay with it. Uh, Cuts this scathing promo trying to defend himself. And then while tensions are now running high, while he's running hot, while he's injured, he's exhausted. He's obviously not in his right state of mind. He is a he's like he he suddenly finds six people at his door who he just called out and him and his buddy react accordingly. And the only person that's actually being talked about getting fired is Punk and Steel and not the elite. So to play devil's advocate, sure, there's a way you can view this in which you're like, what the fuck was he supposed to do? However, what doesn't, of course, you know, the reason Ryan's saying, like, can you play devil's advocate is because not only does CM Punk's legacy and history work against him with all of his issues in previous locker rooms, but we then come to find out that, like, the initial story of the Bucks kicked down the the door, not true, and then immediately it's clarified, well, no, 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 we meant that figuratively. We find out that the Bucks show up with the head of legal, so why the fuck would they be picking a fight? CM Punk says in in the media scrum, if you have a problem with me, let's go talk. Poor timing? Sure. Warranting to have, like, to be assaulted and then have your fucking your your frankly in this scenario no one buddy bite the arguably the biggest star and the dude that helped launch the fucking company like that's that's why it's devil's advocate because no matter how you slice it punks and and Tony Khan deserves his share of the blame. Like, be a fucking boss. Shut that shit down. It doesn't matter. Oh, he there's t- shut it down because no amount of media questions or YouTube videos about is there tension between Tony Khan and CM Punk is ever going to be worse than what happened. That was a like, great. That was a great clickbait YouTube. Thank you. Uh, host thank you. Voice. Tony Khan and CM Punk trouble in paradise. Well. <laughs> Like Hit that bell and, and, and like a scribe. So that's like that's what you're dealing with here is like this was a fucking comedy of errors, ultimately perpetuated by a guy that is showing rapidly. Uh oh, I I'm letting the boys run in the locker room, and I don't I don't know what to do about that because I'm I'm marking out for everybody, and a guy in CM Punk who like all right, time to face facts, guys. Plenty of people been saying it for years. He's probably just an asshole. It just is what it is. So Cole Cabana is a very beloved figure in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking about with Sheamus, always the bride may never the bride. 
Colcaban is very important to the silver era of indie wrestling from like 2012 oh, yeah. 2016. I don't think he's ever going to get the full credit besides hardcore fans. Would what you this guy bef- did for the business. Before you continue that point, just would you consider him like, if not on the same level, not far off from like Joe Danielson punk. I think there's an argument to be made, like regardless of whether he was as good, like he was instrumental to so many people's career in that era. Exactly. Kevin Steen, Sami Zayn, you know, work rate, probably not. You would know a little better than me. No, definitely not. Like, uh, but in terms of like, Hey, let's do it this way. Hey, like he's just, he's just an amazing mind for the business. And much in the same way that Zack Ryder was instrumental in, like, here's how you get yourself over, Cole Cabana's podcast is the first wrestling podcast that you care about. That stuff, that's like, it's the tone setter for anyone else that has a podcast. Like, Colt knew what the next decade was going to be before we even reached year one of it. You know what I mean? He saw where the business was going. People love the guy. Yeah, and he's beloved because, like, you don't, the only negative stories that you've ended up hearing is what happened between him and CM Punk, which like, it's not worth le- relitigating, but Ryan, give us a 30 second synopsis of I mean, what happened. Pretty there. much. They had a falling out after Punk sued. I think what happened was that. Punk, well, why did he, when he went on the podcast, Punk, what is it that Punk, happened? Oh, when he went on the podcast, like I'm saying, yeah. Like what happened that then led oh, to the well, lawsuit? CM Punk, dis- like whether or not you like me using this term, obviously he was mostly in the right. Punk went into business for himself and went on his friend's podcast and aired his shit out for uh, against WWE. I have no problem with that. I think, you know, mm-hmm. he was at his wit's end. Everybody loved it in the moment. And then what presumably happened afterwards is that Punk sued. Cole Cabana got called in it because he was pretty much... Uh, punk, an exce- punk got an excess- sued, not Punk, got punk sued. sued. So I'm sure there was some counter... Well, yeah, no, 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 but it's WWE went after Punk for, like, libel or slander. Right. Yeah. And then from what I understand is that Punk bankrolled Cabana in this case, and then they had a falling out, whatever happened. I don't know what Scott Colton did. Maybe he was, you we know. We have no idea. Maybe we have he no was idea. shady in the, in, in the terms of the way he conducted himself. We We don't know. All we know is that at some point, Punk stopped paying the legal bills mm-hmm. when when Colton, you know, Phil Brooks stopped paying the bills when Scott Colton was under the impression that he was going to leaves him out to dry. And this like longtime friendship fucking explodes. And that's punk, man. You know, there's been, this isn't me trying to pretend to know the guy. I mean, there's plenty of it's this, you, you cross punk once you're done. And we, yeah. we know individuals in our life. That's like that, you know? And I, I, it just, that's not you can't conduct yourself in a business like that the way i'm going to play devil's advocate with punk is that there was no way for him to escape this whether or not punk was 100 percent right and even if he had the receipts of saying like no like scott colton is not a good person and you know i was in the right here week after week he hates him he hates cole cabana he's getting him banished you know i think he just snapped he just he, he absolutely did. snapped. He and snapped. And he snapped at the dirt sheet writers that, you know, and what, what, what plays against him in this argument is that we had last month when he, he called out uh, Hangman. But it's interesting where we went from last year where Hangman and Punk were singing in the ring together and then 
because supposedly Punk hated Cabana at that time too, right? He's he's been hated him and never stopped. Yeah, never stopped hating him. Meltzer told a great story last week where Bill Watts and you know we we do not stand Bill Watts for the time. No, of man not that a was. not a not a good person. Not a good but not one, a good person. One thing that was right is that Bill Watts was a hell of a hell of a booker, hell of a territory runner. Both but what can be ha- true. What happened was Bill Watts tried to come back after the Jim Herd era in WCW. Five years later. Too much time just passed by. He didn't understand what the product was at the time. He couldn't really get a hang of it. You know, he would go to people who are advice and it's like, yeah, we're good, man. We know what to do. And then he was racist to Hank Aaron. And then he was racist to Hank Aaron. I think the same thing happened to Punk. Time, too much time just went by. And I think Punk really earnestly, not, you know, trying to show up people. I think he really wants to go back there and help out. And then let's let's not pretend, you know, like, look, I didn't agree with it, but I understood like Hangman's title reign ended up getting overshadowed by MJF Punk. And like, let's not act. Ma'am, I am making a point. Yes. Making a point. Go. I am trying to yell about CM Punk. I will go. I will yell at you later. The fucking you want to talk about a CM Punk stand? There, there you <laughs> fucking go, Mercury right there. Uh, his feud with MJF was hot. I liked his feud with Hangman. It. I didn't like that Hangman was gonna lose to him, but like the feud was good. No, I understand. And his feud with Eddie Kingston was good, but but I can't say in any of those instances. Oh well, Punk's the reason it worked. Not to take away from what he brought, but like. The feud with Eddie Kingston or, you know, the match, the feud leading to the match with Eddie Kingston worked because, like, Eddie Kingston was the first person on AEW TV to not sing Punk's praises. The feud with MJF worked because MJF can work with a broomstick and make everybody cheer a broomstick. And the feud with Hangman worked because you had the inevitable clashing of, like, the now biggest star versus the biggest homegrown star. It's also quite amazing, too, is that one the minute CM Punk started going after that belt, Everything just fell apart because before that, mm-hmm. the dude was having just an absolute run of his lifetime. He, I don't remember if I said this. So, like, if I didn't and I'm like rewriting history, then like, all right, that's on me. I'm not going to sit here and act like it wasn't cool to see Punk come back. Like, we weren't like no, thinking, yeah, people were we, weren't ne- we weren't necessarily like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened, but we were like, this is fucking wild. This is wild. It's cool. It's a great ride. Let's see what happens. And we understood the brevity and we understood the importance of it. Yeah. Whether he or might not, not be we, here forever. Whether or not we are the biggest CM Punk fans in the world, like, we understood that this was on, on par with Brett coming back to WWE. Yeah. And shit worked. Uh, but. The minute that he started signaling that he was going for Hangman, I was like, this, I don't like this. Punk feels like the wrong person to take the belt off of Hangman. Hangman completed the like best arc in AEW, the most important arc, and it, it started yeah. feeling wrong. I think, you know, and even him trying to do the Lariat twice in that match, it, oh was, just, my it was just God. very, again, it was just very <laughs> obvious that Punk missed five years. He missed well, five I can, years I can hang. to keep up with this new style of wrestling. That he couldn't keep up with ten years prior. Like, Punk yeah. 
he's a very, as a, he's a very specific type of, of wrestling that he, he conducts himself in. Yeah. And it ain't athletic. And it's certainly not fucking I'm an MMA fighter. And look, that's not what you liked him for. If you want to be backstage grandpa, backstage wise sage, you can't cut people the minute they, they piss you off. Like it doesn't no. work like that. So, I mean, I kind of understand why he felt he was backed into a corner. Yes. What what makes it harder is that then it comes out that like this was probably premeditated. We don't know how long before, but there's like some rumors that like he might have been stewing about this while he was injured. Now, he's still been hearing the rumors the whole time, but instead of a like he's coming off of a match and he snaps in that moment, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more like maybe he does the like you know, Jack Nicholson in The Shining where like he slowly lost his mind and then snapped and then had a prolonged period of being insane. I think he knew he was injured. I think he knew he was going to be on the shelf for eight months. I think he also kind of knew that this may be his fucking last time with the microphone in AEW. So he he cashed those receipts. Now that I will dispute. I yeah, do not think? for us. I, I, okay, first we're making the presumption right now, right? Okay, so here's what happens, right? Well, what, the let, me, fo- let me just make one more interjection before because I, I understand where you're coming from. He knew that he was hurt, but he also knew that the heat was going to die down from this and that this is his last opportunity to speak. Go. Maybe, maybe. So what happens after this is nobody knows what's happening. People start, rumors start coming about like, yo, Punk has to get fired. No, it's going to be a steel gets fired. But if a steel gets fired, Punk's going to walk. It's going to be Punk and the elite get fired. No one's going to get fired. Nobody fucking knows what's happening. And then everybody tunes into dynamite. And unfortunately for AEW, they don't tune in because they're like, wow, what a great pay-per-view. Where does this awesome company go next? A lot of people are tuning in. AEW fans are tuning in for the like, uh, (laughs) what's happening? And to Tony's credit, Tony as a boss, we didn't really ever think it was a great thing. Tony as a booker, we really liked him. Then some things started feeling weird. Uh, Tony, you know, comes on the video screen and says, uh, hi. 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 <laughs> says, he hi. Did, I, did, I felt the guy's soul leave his body. <laughs> he gets booed. He gets booed uh, and announces that due to what happened after what what followed in All Out and doesn't say what or who, uh, the trio's title and the World Heavyweight Championship are being vacated. The World Heavyweight title was expected because it then came out that like we knew Punk needed surgery. He was going to have to vacate. Mm-hmm. The trio's title was not necessarily expected. Announces that the trio's title will be decided that night and that there's going to be an eight-man tournament to decide the next actual heavyweight champion culminating uh, what is now next week, September 21st at Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, And it goes on to have a real classic uh, episode of Dynamite. And this is where I was going when I said, like, it's funny the reaction that the acclaimed got. It felt like, you know, because for the last couple of years... And throughout the pandemic, you know, we start seeing more and more people go to AEW. People that you're you're not going to sit here and, you know, like CM Punk wants to come back. Brian Danielson becomes available. Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland become available. You know, Kyle O'Reilly. Like, these are people that you, I get it. Like, what are you going to not pick these people up? Some of them, whatever. But like, 
Malachi Black, Keith Lee, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna not fucking try to go after them? But you know, there had been rumors floating around for a while that, like, you know, what about the people that helped build the fucking company up that aren't the elite? Like, what about them? Why is everybody getting pushed out for other people? People started feeling like how people felt in TNA, deservedly or otherwise. And AEW's response was, we're going to highlight all of our originals. And the only person in that heavyweight championship uh, tournament, Brian Danielson, which no fan's going to argue with. The other people, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, John Moxley, Chris Jericho. Um, am I missing two? Maybe I'm missing two. No, I'm not missing two. Uh, oh, and Hangman Adam Page. Uh, the trios match, best friends, Orange Cassidy, Trent, Chuck Taylor versus Death Triangle, Lucha Bros, and Pac. Uh, match, the ma- the main event, Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta, two people that cut their teeth on the indies and then went to AEW. And it was a hell of a fucking show. And it felt like for the first, and then MJF comes out. Cuts a funny baby face promo. Then Moxley comes out. MJF cuts a heel promo. Starts teasing WWE. Moxley chases him out of the ring. And then Mox gives one of the most impassioned uh, promos he's ever given to Ura, the locker room. Then it, we come to find out that Jericho, Punk, and Danielson all like had a locker room meeting that's well received. And now who? And just so happens, who does the crowd want to be tag team champions? The acclaimed. AEW is now needing to figure out. So this brings us to all we know is that people got suspended. The elite got suspended. Punk injured. A Steel presumably suspended. And then everybody involved in breaking it up got suspended. We find out that there are real legal matters pending here. So when Ryan says this might have been the last time that Punk had a a microphone in his hand, I don't think he knew that. I think Punk genuine. First off, I don't think Punk could have known that something was going to happen that night. Like, let's not. I don't think he was like goading people. Like, come and see me right now. But he was being incendiary enough that he knew it was a possibility. But I don't think Punk ever thought for a second, like, oh, I'm injured for nine months, and he certainly didn't think I'll get fired over this. Not well, CM he certainly Punk. did not respect the whether or not you apply these titles to them. The fact no. that. Bucks are EVPs, which is now a fucking joke, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, I understand, like, you, you guys came in, you guys certainly can't manage a wrestling federation, let alone manage a target. Like, I, they had to show up. They had to. Yeah, they're, and, and then you specifically call it Hangman, who doesn't show up. Mind you, Hangman Adam Page, nowhere near this. Yeah, and, like, I, I could just feel him just, like, I don't want to fucking, like, stop dragging me into this. Like, you know. And then it comes out that the thing CM Punk was actually mad about is Hangman got asked a question that may or may not have been in kayfabe where he's like, do you turn to people like Sting or CM Punk for advice? And Hangman gives an extremely earnest response of, I don't take advice well. I kind of feel like I need to succeed and fail on my own what, merits. So, it, like, I don't seek it out. Was it that or was it I would if they asked? No, he didn't. Because he didn't say no. I would if they asked. I, where He's, did that where did that line come from? Am I just the man? I thought there was a, there, someone spoke a line where it's like, "Would you take advice from the older wrestlers, CM Punk, Sting, etc." He's like, "I would if they asked." He didn't say he okay. didn't say I would have. No, you're not wrong. He said I would listen. He said 
if they offered advice, I would listen. But how he starts it is, I don't know if I'd listen. I'm not such a good listener. Mm -hmm. He gives like a very typical, like what you've come to expect from Hangman answer. It's like this honest, vaguely anxious answer of like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I kind of feel like I need to succeed and fail on my own. I'm champion. I'm doing okay. Again, right. you don't know how not in kayfabe this is. And then, like, he, that's what sets him off even before fucking Cole Cabana. Like, before he mentions Cole Cabana. And by the way, he doesn't mention Cole Cabana. He makes a fucking comment about, like, you say you're for workers' rights. Well, that's not the case in the locker room. And like, everyone's like, oh, the locker room knew what it meant. Okay, but the fucking audience didn't. I think lines are true. Lines were drawn, Before and there was this. no way the Bucks were not going to respond. But the way he went after Hangman and Hangman's response showed you that, like, yeah, this is this is one sided. Now, was him losing the belt in the squash punish or the original punishment? No, it absolutely was them being like, we need to legitimize Moxley's reign, and uh, you know, but we but CM Punk needs to go over in Chicago. It was a weird way to do it. You should have just kept him away or like have him come back, not have a match yet and build the feud up longer is a weird thing to do. But whatever. Was that punk in the voicemail? No, it was Tony Khan. It was Tony Khan. When MJF comes out, they play a voicemail of Tony Khan being like, uh, you're, uh, you know, you're unscheduled absence is hurting the company it's hurting the fans like we're gonna pay you to come back and then it cuts to static and cuts to cm punk's uh summer of punk promo after he beat samoa joe in 2004 for the ring of honor championship he says you're a stupid old man i'm a snake the greatest thing the devil ever did is convince you people he didn't exist which now mjf cannot use that promo does not get to exist uh here's the thing right we don't we're not there is so much real life shit here. No one can possibly know what's actually going to happen. What's most likely? I'll tell you what's most likely. The likelihood that the elite actually get fired or like leave the company does not seem high. They did not do this shit publicly. Say what you want about backstage. Suspension, absolutely. Strip them of the title, yes. Why would they get fired for more than that? CM Punk publicly denigrated the company, the company's biggest stars and embarrassed Tony Khan on a public stage with no regard for anyone but himself. And then it leads to a fight that he, for all intents and purposes, goaded. And then it's his buddy that he absolutely insisted comes along with him that bites Kenny Omega, who apparently, if rumors are to be believed, was trying to get CM Punk's dog out of the middle of this fight. The dog does not bite Kenny Omega. CM Punk's friend does. So the rumor was that there was also passing around is the dog actually bit Kenny Omega and just yeah, the way to, but I don't believe that. Ace Steel is fucking insane. No. If it was because anybody like, but Ace Steel, I would be like, okay, maybe that's the case, but if there's one man that I can see biting another human, it's probably Ace That Steel. dog's not going to get fucking put down because it was in the middle of a fight and bit someone who was attacking its owner. Shut the fuck up. What, what a stupid thing. Uh, but look, we are but humble wrestling fans, Ryan. We are but but lowly servants to the squared circle. We know nothing. I, I don't see how you don't fire CM Punk after what he did publicly, if nothing else. If it ended, all right, if it ended at the media scrum, no mm-hmm. fight, but that he does all of that. 
I would understand not firing him, but I would understand stripping him of his title. Yeah, the fight uh, as well. well. I don't know. I think we 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 we've seen the end of, of CM Punk and AEW. The best I think thing, one way or another, he ain't coming back. The best thing to happen to him is that he now has eight months off, so he can decide what he wants to do. If he still wants to get a paycheck, Lord knows he ain't going back to WWE. I think there was a time. Yeah. There was a time and place. In fact, I think that the reason why he didn't go to AEW in the first place because he wanted to see if Vince would bite, and Vince did it. Oh yeah, let's not forget the whole like CM Punk publicly being like, "Puh, they never tried to contact me. Ah, they didn't offer." Blah blah blah, and then Cody having to be like, "Uh." We definitely reached out. Like, it's cool that you didn't come aboard, but like, like that—that's also part of this puzzle. I think. Well, was this something that we addressed? I think was that. I think Punk kind of got a little pissed of like his name being used in the buildup of AEW. Like, oh, we might get him back, but again, that's just petty CM Punk bullshit. Also, wasn't their fault, unless I'm misremembering no, no, no. something. It, I don't remember anyone being like, "We are good at you know." You like, know what it was? I think it was like, "Oh, rumors afloat that you know." Everybody like, and which, by their due which, diligence, yeah, go fucking contact the hottest free agent right CM now. Punk. But then he was like, he was just like, no, no, it's not happening. But also, I, it, but regardless, so here's the thing: it's on. It's the onus is on Punk here. Tony Khan's not going to fire three, three, mind you, not one, three individuals who are integral to building to this company. I know last week was like a soft reboot to see. Oh, what is life? Like in AEW without the elite, it's fine. Now, it, it, all the three of them going to go to WWE? No, I didn't buy that fucking feeler thing for a second. Only no. in the matter if the Bucks are really truly pissed off at Tony Khan and they said, you know, we have a deal here. But that, they could just walk into that place. There's no like Tony Khan knows that. There's no leverage there. He knows that they can go there any minute they want to. Do you also think that? Tony Khan, look, CM Punk, Mark, or otherwise, whatever. Do you honestly think that Tony Khan, if the elite were like, yo, it's us or Punk, he'd be like, well, sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Um. So, yeah, it's going to be on Punk, you know, uh, and I don't doubt that the Bucks and Kenny would be like, all right, whatever. Like, just don't talk to us in the locker room. Come back. I just think it's everybody else. You know, yeah. I I look again, and 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 something that Ryan and I spoke about a lot. Uh, you know, talking amongst ourselves, talking to friends, is something that we really do try to say on this podcast all the time. We say two things: we say kill your idols, right? Don't stand for billionaires. So I will repeat it. These are like opinions based off of rumors, but. You don't know these people. You don't know any of them. All right. We don't know any of them. We don't know the Jacksons. We don't know Kenny Omega. We don't know CM. We don't know any of these people. We know the characters they play on the screen. And we know some of the stuff they do out of character and some rumors. That is what we will ever actually know about wrestling wrestlers. So like. All of that is to say what it looks like to me is like 
where there's smoke, there's fire. Enough people outside of kayfabe, outside of being wrestlers, have said that CM Punk is an asshole. And I think that CM Punk showed the world in this moment, regardless of whether the elite deserved it or otherwise, like, fuck the elite. That's fine. It, fine. The, Kenny, the Bucks, every, they all deserved it. Fine. Did Tony Khan deserve to get publicly embarrassed after bringing CM Punk in, paying him who knows how much money, uh, giving him like full royalties or, you know, whatever, Punk negotiates it, uh, making him champion, launching him into the hottest feud with MJF? Like, did Tony Khan deserve that? Like, I'm not sitting here again. Don't stand for billionaires. I don't know Tony Khan either, but like, <laughs> like what is what what happens here? Come so, on. Circling back to my point before, I think Tony genuinely wanted Punk to finally blow off steam and say his piece about fucking Cole Gabbana and what went down. Because but then Tony Ant- Khan cannot be a boss in a locker room. Not even that. I just think like if he, I kind of understand why he did it because, like I said, there was no way that Punk was ever going to escape that and. Let him say his piece. But then after that, Tony Constant just said, that's it. And then go, immediately knowing what he said, get the message back to, to Young Buck saying, guys, go home. Stay in your locker room. Do not come here. And then that's where the true failure was with Tony in this situation. Or the minute that, fine, you want Punk to address the rumors with Cole Cabana, your choice, man, your company. The minute that Punk starts mentioning people by name mm-hmm. the minute that he starts talking about what's good and bad for business and how it's, you know, he's talking about his business. And now we don't know, are we talking about CM Punk as an independent contractor or whatever? The minute that shit happens, you find a way out. You find a way to shut that down. If you don't, you know, I get not wanting to be like, uh, hold up, man. You're not the, bo-. I get that. That's fine. It's not what you want to put out there. Tony Khan needed to be able to find a way in that moment to be to 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 be like all right so you know what guys moving forward uh we want to stick to the match all right uh i think that cm punk has said everything that he should ever have to say on this i don't want more questions about it you will not be met with comments and like i will not let journalists into it you it, who cares he could have said a thousand fucking things and then if cm punk continues going off then it is what it is he chose to just let that go he chose to let it go for like 20 something minutes. Also, we're ignoring the fact that like the whole while this is going on, CM Punk is like slamming down like seltzers and eating muffins and cake from a bakery like an unhinged maniac. Maybe muffins. What drink was he fucking pulling out of that? I thought it was uh what is it called? Not fuse fi- what is the fucking Celsius? It's like this no, no, no. It's with an F. They're like sparkling water. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's like a flower is their logo. I th- I assumed that's what it was, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, So now it brings us to... Well, oh, it's the end. It's 10 o'clock, right? Dynamite has ended. What so, we well, know... Wait, one one yep, last go point, ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I don't think the boys can be fucking EVPs anymore. No, it look, it's, it's I over. I understand why they did it's it. Over. I think they had to do it. But the reason why this never happened in WWE is because you had figures like uh, Pat and you had, you know, Briscoe back there. And like there was there was no they weren't running the show. They were managing the show. And that's what you need. Yeah. What you have ultimately done here is Tony Khan 
who has gone on record as repeatedly saying, like, this is not going to be 1999 WCW. This is not going to be Bischoff and T. Basically, he went out and said, I will not be Eric Bischoff. And then, like, was Eric Bischoff. That's that's so the only lesson that Tony Khan really should be taking away from this is like, boy, this is how wrestling companies die. Like the era of that, good feelings. That's it. The era of good feelings is officially over in AEW. It's over from all right? Memorial Day 2019 to Labor Day 2022. The era of good feelings is over. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but now you have to figure out what your company is going to be. Yeah, look, and and it's not about don't bring in free agents. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here rewrite history and be like, oh, obviously Punk was the cancer in the locker room. No. Things were already starting to not fall apart, but things started feeling off. Punk's return was cool, but then, like, you know, there are booking issues going throughout it. Again, Tony Khan, like, doesn't book women, hates booking women, tries to blame it on CM ratings. Punk live in New York, speaks for the first time in New York, speaks for the first time in Cleveland, speaks for the first time in Kansas City, speaks for the first time in Seattle. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I understand yeah, that point. Yeah, like, that's that, you know, like, it's time. For Tony Khan to realize you're not the guy. You can be the boss. You can be the boss. You can you can be the money man. You can be the boss. You can make the calls. You can be uh the overall head of creative. You can't it can't do it all delegate you can't do it all. Whatever you've delegated, delegate more, find more people, and like look <laughs> you're you're making us almost be like you have to be more like WWE, which is fucking insane. Don't make me say that. Just do better. Like you don't there's a there's a there's a big difference between let the let the locker room run fucking wild and like go be Vince McMahon. Like just just like don't let people fucking publicly denigrate you. Don't let people's egos get bigger than the company and like learn from history. It's 2022, Ryan. How many times does Tony Khan have to watch a wrestling promotion get torn apart by egos and bad booking before he goes, hmm, gee, that shouldn't be me. Yeah. You're playing with daddy's money. All right. You're playing with daddy's money and it's time to do better. I just totally understand why the Fulham FC fans just hate this guy. Because look what's happening in the states. Hashtag Tony Wanks dogs. So, so what ends up happening? Yeah, one last point. Make your other last point. No, 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 no. But it was just really funny. Did you hear the rumors that like during like the pandemic, like AEW had like a drug floor that they would go to and like party afterwards? And Janela of all people is like, yeah. Do you mean White Claws with Tony? <laughs> yeah, Joey Janelle had to, <laughs> Joey Janelle had to be like, yeah, dude, white claws and sleeping on a floor, real fucking wild. I just thought that was. Uh, I'm sure Tony does coke, but like, <laughs> let let's not let's not you know Tony wanks dogs and does coke. Those yeah. are the only facts. Those are the only facts we know about Tony Khan. That's the end. Of um, that. so the t- what hap- tonight's dynamite leads us to Grand Slam. And what we have learned is the AEW World Championship will, in fact, be decided between John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Uh, their second match in AEW, their first since joining forces. Obviously, John Moxley going over Sammy Guevara after Sammy Guevara went over on Darby Allen last week on on Rampage. Brian Danielson going over on Hangman Adam Page last week on Dynamite, and now going over on Chris Jericho. Uh, 
this was the correct call as much as I love hangman and like give him the belt immediately back. Uh, if you're going to put the, if you're going to put the belt on an, not that it's fair to call Brian Danielson an ex WWE guy, but if you're going to put it on, not John Moxley, Brian Danielson is the correct call. Brian Danielson is well, Brian Danielson's work even since coming to AEW has spoken for itself. And that's with a fucking lengthy injury. Uh, Brian Danielson, unlike CM Punk makes no pretenses about like, it's my last ride. Like this is the last contract I sign. Brian Danielson deserved. I'm not even saying CM Punk didn't deserve to be champion. I just didn't think it needed to be that exact moment, but like, Hey man, uh, if you put the strap back on Moxley, I'm here for it. Fuck it. Moxley is in fact the ace, but Danielson as champion, it's going to be great, and it'll be an absolutely outstanding match. Uh, Tony Storm will take on Athena, Serena Deeb, and Britt Baker for the interim world, uh, interim women's world championship. Swerve in our glory will face the acclaimed. Uh, the acclaimed are almost certainly going to win. They're going to do it in New York. It's going to be fucking massive. Uh, Pack is going to take on Orange Cassidy for the Atlantic Championship, and. One thing we know about Rampage is it'll be Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, and Cool Hand Angelo Parker of Jericho Appreciation Society versus Hook and Action Bronson. I love it. Uh, Which, for anyone that's like, why the fuck? It's because Action Bronson, A, does Hook's theme song, and B, apparently has been training. And, like, fuck it. Man's been training for like two years now. I'm cool with it. Honestly, he looked pretty good too. Yeah, he's a big he boy, but he, awesome. he looked pretty looked pretty good. And like he's a wrestling fan. He knows what he's to do. he's funny as fuck. Like that's a guy that yeah, you can give him a mic and let him cut a promo. I'm okay with that. I'm, I don't need Action Bronson to like be a staple in AEW. But fuck it, man. You've been training. Have we? If we've learned nothing from Bad Bunny, if we only learned one lesson, it is that is proof. Anybody tries hard enough, we can make it work. Give yeah. him charisma, let him do the proper training and have the commitment, we can make this work. Um, AEW is now at a place where they can, in fact, do the, regardless of what happens with Punk and the Elite, they can do a proper reset. And Thunder Rosa, who's out with injury, will probably drop the belt to Tony Storm proper. So, just saying, uh, Brian Danielson as world champion, Tony Storm as women's champion, the acclaimed as tag champions, Pac as all Atlantic champion, Death Triangle as trios champions. Yet you, you can do a lot. You could do a lot worse than that, baby. I you think they're gonna be fine. Than that. In a way, yeah. like, and with MJF holding a fucking, I can have a title whenever I want. Chip, yeah, I'm here for it, man. Let's they, go. They kind of didn't need a little bit of a light reboot. They did, you know. and uh, you know, I didn't watch tonight, so you know, I'll watch tomorrow. We'll see if it was good. I'm sure. Like, I heard the Moxley Guevara match was solid. I'm sure Jericho Danielson was fun. And, it was, and I you oh, know, and Lucha Bros versus Swerve in Our Glory happened today. Apparently, that was fucking great. Also, Jericho's been having one hell of a run. Lionheart Chris Jericho. That's all we'll say about that. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I think Grand Slam is going to be awesome. I think that uh, they'll be, they'll be okay moving forward. Um, so like you know we're we're not gonna we're we're gonna wrap up here in a second, but like one thing that I told Ryan I wanted to just like and not tie in necessary, but like necessarily, but like one thing that did 
come to most wrestling fans' minds is like, look, how many returns can we think of that were like botched? Plenty, plenty, plenty. You know, Bret Hart and WCW problematic but you know whatever sting in wwe rick flair and tna the list goes on and on and on and on and on okada and tna and his excursion whatever plenty of things have not worked out that should have uh but most no it's hard to think of any return that ended so tumultuously and most people thought of jim helwig aka the ultimate warrior uh unretiring after leaving WWE uh, F and going to WCW to feud with Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody that doesn't know Jim Helwig, the ultimate warrior rest his soul was a massive piece of garbage, just like a really bad human being and not in like a, Oh, here's Damien on his fucking soapbox in like a, one of the last things he did publicly was going a massive homophobic tirade. Like he's just not a good person. And like no one, no one really ever tried to say otherwise. He was larger than life persona. He was not good in the ring. He was a bad person, but he was the only person that came close to Hulk Hogan in terms of like, just babyface popularity. Uh, you know, his match, his mania match with Hulk Hogan in 1990, WWF Championship versus Intercontinental Championship. Two people that are not known for their in-ring work have a match that was better than it should have been. Warrior wins. Hogan leaves right after. Everyone expects Warrior to be the guy. He leaves. He gets fired after he holds up Vince McMahon for money. <laughs> Uh, returns, leaves again. 1995 comes, Hulk Hogan is running the NWO, one of the hottest angles in wrestling history. Uh, 1996, Warrior comes back for WWF, beats up Triple H, who goes on to say that he fucking hated that match and that it ruined his perception of Warrior. And on 1998, Warrior returns to WCW as the Warrior to confront Hulk Hogan. Now, Ryan, what what did this mean at the time? Like, why why was that such a big deal? You know, it, no comparison to CM Punk whatsoever. But here is a name that you know should be, whether or not you liked him or not, should be in a wrestling federation, but wasn't. And uh, arguably, he was the hottest free agent at the time. People went wild for the Warrior. I mean, nobody should be ashamed to say that if you were a fan back in the 90s. You, you didn't necessarily... Nobody knew, nobody knew all about, of yeah. the shit. Nobody did. Necessarily. If there was Not two nobody, pe- but most people. If there was two people to make... Circa 1992, Hulk Hogan realized that he was dead in the water in WWF. That was Bret Hart and Ultimate Warrior. So now you have like this mythical guy coming back to WCW and he's going to go face to face with the biggest guy who politics in the industry. And like, look, he got fired a couple times. So like had the, had the shine rubbed off a little bit. Yeah. But not enough for it to not be it a big deal. It was all still there. The man in the mirror promo, all that. The pop was great at the beginning. He still looks pretty good. You know, there's one, we talked about this match before. But there's one funny part that I realized in that match is when 
Which one are you referring to? Uh, the Halloween Havoc. Like the, the bad match between Warrior and Hogan. Well, are you, their, ma- their one-on-one match right, you're talking correct. about. correct. Yeah, okay, okay. So when, when Ultimate Warrior reaches up his hand to go tie up with Hogan, and Hogan's like, doesn't work for me, brother. Ultimate Warrior screams at the top of his lungs, come on, Hogan. Come on, Hogan. Like, you know, so I, I, I really wonder how much Hulk Hogan bullshit was going on in that match. I also wonder, Warrior probably deserved all that. Um, when Warrior initially comes out, the pop is massive. Uh, and according to Eric Bischoff, he's supposed to come out, cut a quick promo, get this huge pop. Uh, Hogan is like shaking in his boots next to Bischoff. He makes a comment about like, I thought you were dead because there was a rumor in the nineties that Warrior died. That's right, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and instead goes on to do a nearly 30 minute rambling nonsensical promo in his typical style except uh how many 30 minute promos can you think of folks is the answer i'm not sure if i can think of one that's because the greatest orators in the history of wrestling would not try to give you a 30 minute promo not not prime sean michaels not the rock not fuck not mjf not CM Punk. No one can go up in a ring for 25, 27, 30 minutes and cut a promo. It's not realistic. And Warrior had no business going to five. Uh, you know what's been a good listen the last couple of weeks was Kevin Nash's podcast. And I tuned in last week and he actually told a very funny story about Warrior. Uh, Warrior is from, he lived in Arizona. Kevin Nash was set up in Arizona at the time when Warrior came back to WCW and Warrior opened up a gym and Nash uh, went there and he actually really liked the gym. So he's like, all right, I'll help him out. Like I'll get the platinum package or whatever bullshit he's trying to offer. But then every time thereafter, when he tried to work out at the gym, like Warrior would just avoid him left and right. And it came down to the point where it's just like, he would go up to the front desk. Like, Oh, is, is Jim here? And they'd be like, yeah. And then, like, Nash would look out the window and then see him get in his pickup truck and drive away. So then Nash goes up to him. He's like, do we have a problem? And then Warrior was like, no, we we don't. And, like, he was like, Nash is just pretty much exclaiming, like, this guy wants to be, like, uh, he thinks that he does want to be hated, but, like, he came and play that up. And it was just very, we- it was just a very weird guy, a very weird individual. Could have been probably one of the biggest stars out of the nineties. I don't know how long that gimmick would have ran, you know, he couldn't work. So like it would have only lasted so long, but he probably could. He, he beat Hogan with the understanding that, okay, ultimate warrior will now be the biggest person in wrestling. And that is not what happened. He like dropped his belt to Sergeant slaughter and then lost to Hogan, I think is what happened. Mm -hmm. No, he beat Hogan. Then he lost the belt to Sergeant Slaughter. Then Hogan won it off of Sergeant Slaughter. Then Hogan left. And then, like, Warrior didn't really do that much of note and it got fired. Yeah. Um, so just, you know. But, like, all this weird shit happens. Like, you know, Ryan mentions the mirror promo. Warrior starts the one Warrior Nation. Get it? It's the uh, it's the backwards of NWO. Uh, but his only person is the disciple, Brutus Beefcake. Uh, and then decides to 
have a WCW decides to have a war games match, but instead of like, okay, it's going to be five on five and they're all going to, you know, whatever it was instead three teams of three and the winner wins the person who scores the pinfall or whatever gets a (laughs) world title shot. And the teams are Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, who was not a member of NWO and Stevie Ray Wolfpack, Kevin Nash, Sting and Lex Luger. And then Diamond Dallas Page, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and Warrior. And like, I'm just gonna, just go watch it. It's, it's a fucking train wreck. Yeah. And it's like clear as day. Like, Warrior and Hogan like leave the fucking ring immediately when the whole point of War Games is like, you're not supposed to be able to get out. And like, warrior a ddp pin stevie ray and then like has his match with goldberg and then hogan warrior and then like ryan said hogan warrior happens and there's one cool moment but otherwise it's not good uh and then he cuts a promo on nitro and then he goes away he never shows up ever again and no one knows why uh now ryan felt that it was an unfair comparison to bring up the cm punk and like to be clear i'm not look man Phil Brooks may be an asshole. He may be a not good person in ways. He ain't no Jim Helwig. He's not like, Jim that Helwig much, asshole. That much, that much we are 100% sure of. Uh, Jim Helwig was like a legendary piece of garbage. CM Punk is not going to go to a sick kid and say, not tonight, brother. Yeah, CM Punk, look, giant asshole. Like not, You don't know the man. Jim Helwig, people knew him enough. But... Very few returns have ended up this disastrous. And even Warrior in WCW is still not an apt comparison because the reality is there is no apt comparison. There is no singular event that you can really point to in wrestling where you're like, well, gee, what that return was so cool and in so fucking bad so quick with such catastrophic ripples all at the same time that Triple H is like revitalizing WWE's like wrestling acumen and bringing back Johnny Gargano and giving people their first names and like this is this is at the same time that like Shawn Michaels is now fully running NXT and and like WWE's all of a sudden got this goodwill and AEW's just fumbling the bag. Uh no singular return has ended this badly none not one yeah it's gonna be a weird chapter to close it is a league all of its own (laughs) there's a part of me that almost hope that cm punk does return oh yeah like fuck it no i want to see what happens fuck it i guess i'll just watch this company implode then uh, to be clear, though, all right, just for any stands of either company, again, something Ryan and I say all the time, you don't actually want these companies to fail to the point that they close. That only hurts wrestlers. I'll say it again. That only hurts wrestlers. Do you think fucking Daddy Khan cares if AEW doesn't succeed? This is part of Tony's inheritance money. Do you, do you fucking think, like, anybody at the top of WWE, like, cares? No, this only affects wrestlers. Don't actually fucking root for people to be put out of business. But feel free to root against the billionaires. That's fine with me. I don't care. <laughs>
Yeah. Um. So Grand Slams next week. Uh. Full gears at November. What's the next WWE pay per view? What do we got coming up? Extreme Rules. Clash of Champions. I feel like it's one of the two. Let's see. I feel like it's Extreme Rules. Yeah, Extreme Rules. Yeah, when is that? Uh, October 8th. All right, so that'll that'll be the next pay-per-view happening. Um, I hope they bring back uh, War Games for Survivor Series. I feel like with... If Tri- Triple H is bringing back NXT... Uh, Triple H is bringing war games to the main roster. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, the, that's a way to fucking rejuvenate Survivor Series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to wrap up, uh, the last thing to to end on a happy note. To end on something that is, yeah, I guess, as close to feel good for me as you can get. It's been a long, long, long time coming. But finally, the crowds have come back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Finally, the voices have returned to Corkin Hall. Finally, the screams have returned to the Tokyo Dome, to the Nippon Budokan. Yano! I don't think Yano's getting the girl scream. <laughs> oh my god, Yano is... Th- Listen, right now New Japan is in the middle of their Burning Spirit tour. Uh, nothing like huge, huge... There are like some things happening uh, here and there. The uh, House of Torture will be going against the Chaos team of Yoshihashi, uh, Goto, and uh, Yo for uh, Hiroki Goto and Yo for the six-man championships in a dog cage match where, like, I think you have to lock each of the other team into a dog cage. Did Vince go to New Japan? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you're also going to get Finlay versus Will Ospreay for the U.S. title after defeating Ospreay in the G1. Um, Osprey really, you know, if Tony Khan wants to make a move, and that, I, I don't know how much time he has left on his deal, but he I has to get Osprey. Uh, no, you're he does get, into his own mission because yeah, he, but like, fuck it, like, that, why not? You'll get Jonah versus Kazuchika Okada for the, uh, not for the it, Okada's promo after the G1 was like, I'm not defending the briefcase, like. You have to. It's going to be Kazuchika Okada versus the title. So like, it's it's not like if Jonah wins, he goes to Wrestle Kingdom. But I think it would be like if Jonah were because Jonah was, I think, the only person to beat Kazuchika Okada in the G One. So like, if Jonah beats Kazuchika Okada, does does he then get a title shot? Yeah. Like, I think is kind of the way they're going with it. Is it like one of those things where? You know, if you beat the champion in a non-title match, you get a future shot at the championship. Yeah, it's kind of like I think I mean, are they I, are they pushing Jonah that hard? Well, look, I mean, he's the only person to beat Okada in G one, and like he's true. getting a singles match with him. They clearly so like therefore him. he probably should already this should already be the yeah. Look, he's not beating Okada again. No, I like, understand, but this match should be for the 
briefcase. So, like I said, like Okada. I obviously, I'm sure Okada didn't suddenly just go into business for himself, but Okada was just like, uh, no, no, the the briefcase doesn't get the you don't. I don't do that anymore. Is I won the G- a face, or is he still a tweener? Or is he's he just like is he just like on his own? Plane? Okada is he on his Oka- own plane of existence where like those terms do not apply. He's just Okada is Okada. Kazuchika Okada is in that regard what Hiroshi Tanahashi was. The ace of New Japan in these current days, like you're a good guy, the crowds love you. If you face a baby face, you'll play the heel, but you're still ultimately like the guy. Okay. Like Tanahashi throughout his career, if he needs to wear the black hat, he does. And commentary openly talks about it. Like Tanahashi has always had matches where he wrestles like a fucking asshole. Um, he had one of his first matches against um, against Shinsuke Nakamura. Like Nakamura was was over, and like Tana was just playing the heel. Uh, I think Tanahashi's match against his mentor Keiji Muto worked out similar. Like he he is the heel if he needs to be. So Okada, his thing is like I'm the rainmaker, right? I'm the most important guy in New Japan. So if you suck, I'm gonna treat you like you suck. If you're really good, I might still treat you like you suck, you know? And the crowd responds how they need to respond. So, yeah, it's probably most apt to say, like, Okada a little bit exists in a plane of his own where, like, he's Okada, he's the ace, he, whatever you want, whatever you think he should be, that's your decision. Like, he is just Okada. Mm -hmm. So, he can do whatever he needs to. Uh, I don't know yet if Jay White has a, 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 a... title match lined up on this tour yet i'm sure he does somewhere um but you'll also get you also have royal quest coming up which is like their big show in the uk and what the we don't know a lot but we know that ftr will have their first defense against aussie open um so but 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 all of this is to say um the crowds are back in a limited capacity. It's either 50% capacity or they're in like pockets, but they are. It's just so good. And the wrestlers are clearly so fucking energized from it. Everyone's getting their shit over. Finally, the house of torture gets booed. And because, because the house of torture gets to get booed now, like it's not quite as bad when they do their bullshit because you're like, all right, at least we know like there's a sound coming and like they lean into the goofiness and they, you know, it's, it's not as unbearable. Uh, it doesn't matter what you watch, watch any of these watch, but like watch something here to just hear the crowds again. Uh, you can, you can get, Kazuchika Okada and uh, Tanahashi versus Jonah and his weird friend from September 5th. You can get Shingo Takage and Hiromu Takahashi versus ELP and Kenta. You can get Suzuki's match versus bad guy Tito. It, whatever. It doesn't matter what you want to put on. The crowds being back is the single greatest thing that's happened to New Japan, and it's good news. It's good news all around, Ryan. Uh, also, Keiji Muto announced his final retirement match. I think it's going to happen in early oh, wow. 2023. End of an era. Age 60. He plans on wrapping it up. Uh, 
So yeah, that's 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 what I got for New Japan. You guys should be thankful. I have not made you do. I haven't made you have to deal with that much at all. I thought that's what you were going to start off the episode with. No, 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 Ryan. I I am a learned boy. I know it wasn't the time, but eventually, it will be the time. And when it is the time, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I want to hear it. Uh. So anyway, that's what we got for you. So Ryan, to wrap up. You have a legend killer for us today? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't no, 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 no. Let me uh, go into the let, let me here. Google for something and and act like I had something lined up. I didn't because I was so hyped to talk about this, but I do have a good one for you. Or I do have a good image that you could show off. It's going to be clearly obvious, but uh, I think it's a fun picture. I think it's just well, give me something that's not obvious then. What do you mean? You were Mr. I'm sick of getting stumped. <clears throat> Don't then give me layups. It's hard because you know why? Because <laughs> I just haven't I haven't found any good source material re- recently. All right, oh. send me what you send me. You know who this is? It's Jerry Lynn at his prom, you idiot. <laughs> well, that's what you can fucking say to me. <laughs> also, R. Kelly got found guilty on six counts of child porn. So. I thought he already did. He, you can't keep up with the things he has. What the fuck's this guy do? Who gave this guy money, man? Jesus. I guess we did. Us. We all Not pop. us. Not us. Not me. Not me, Ryan. I was an Aaron Carter no, boy. You were, you, I liked Aaron Carter and Nelly. You were you were three when I believe I could fly came out, so I'm not going to put that on you. I did have Space Jam, but I didn't know that song was R. Kelly until I was like 20. Uh. The Boondocks episode explains it all, by the way. I love that show. What a great show. Oh, I knows who you are, Chris Hansen. See, I watch all your stuff. <laughs> I likes you. And I wants you. All right. Well, so... Is the person that he's with anybody? Or is it two random people and two not random people? I think it's just two random people. Okay. So this is a very young CM Punk. Yes, how good is Look, this? <laughs> looking like a CM Look looking looking like uh every teenage punker with two random people and what I must assume is Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right, Damien, who's that in the back? Rob Van Dam? Bridge Bulldog. Uh. I'm fucked. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. It is British Bulldog. That was kind of nice that they did that little tribute to him at uh, Clash of the Castle, despite him being yipped out of his mind in that match. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they gave Brett was there and they gave uh, they gave a shout out to like you know the biggest intercontinental championship match, which is probably objectively true whether the match you felt lived up or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, although wasn't one of Steamboat's matches with Flair for the intercontinental title. Oh, you're talking about, like that was the biggest match. Of- oh no, no, no! I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, that was definitely the biggest like UK match, but like the biggest Intercontinental title matches that I can think of, like 
that one and then uh what is it WrestleMania 3 Macho Man Steamboat Yes which is like that that match holds up mm-hmm. I just watched that match the other day Steamboat. Oh yeah Steamboat more like Steam Goat am I right Am I right <laughs> I kind right. of uh kind of always wondered like if the falling out didn't what happen, he smells like what what does macho man smell like i didn't say macho man oh, macho who? man smells like rot it's mean i mean it's a fact rot 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 like rot yeah oh because well, he's dead all right <laughs> how do you think macho man would do in the attitude Macho Man is legitimately a performer that would do well in any era. Also, like, the man could work. Yeah. The man could work and just knew how to be a character. Uh, Look, Macho was not without his fucking vices and his issues, but, like, he's one of the few 80s wrestlers that I feel like... I, I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong, but I feel like I can't think of, like... A huge fucking like, yo, did you know Macho Man did this thing? Aside from the rumor about him and Stephanie, which I'm pretty sure was always like an unfounded rumor, right? Yeah, I mean, you could go back and, and find something, I guess. But I, I mean, I guess he did like try to stab somebody with a knife once. But I don't know. Wrestling was weird in the 70s he, he, or 80s, whatever, early 80s. I, I don't know if he was abused, but he was just very protective of Elizabeth. Oh po- yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. To the point where, like, I don't know if he hit her, but like, just the mental anguish that he probably put her through. Yes, yes, yes. That's fair. Look, I mean, nobody, nobody's perfect, but Macho, no Jim Hellwig. He didn't fucking. Uh, no Ric Flair. He didn't fucking get accosted by cops two weeks before she died, and then mysteriously dies of an overdose two weeks later. Yeah. Wasn't that? No. And who's that I, legend killer? No, he didn't. Uh, well, who is it that stole her? It was uh Lex Luger of all people. Lex Luger, right? Lex Luger. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that a wrestling story? It sounds no, that, familiar. That happened. Yeah. So the way when is that cops got called to Lex Luger's house? Uh, she was visibly distraught and. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It was Luger. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then she died like two weeks later. Yeah, suspicious. Yep. Good performer, though. <clears throat> it's a weird tangent, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Macho Macho would Macho is one of those few performers that I really think, like, put him in any era, he'll be successful. Imagine putting him in the 60s. Like, imagine, like, him, Luthez, fucking I guess, Freddie Blassie. I guess like, Superstar Billy Graham was probably a kid. Yeah, dude. You know? Imagine, imagine him versus. Uh, well, imagine him and was it was it Freddie Blassie that came out to Pomp and Circumstance, or was it uh, Gorgeous George? Gorgeous George it was Gorgeous George, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he put him in the fifties, put him in the seventies, put him in the nineties, put him in the two in the nows. Like he'd work, he'd work anywhere. Macho Man is like a James Dean greaser in the fifties. Ah, love that. Hey, Daddy. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Orion Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Daddy O. <laughs> Macho man gonna go pick up 
baby girl. Give her up at six o'clock. Have her back in time for dinner. Yeah. Take her up for hamburgers and milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so- uh, Macho Man in place of Hulk Hogan in NWO would have hit as hard. Huh. Yeah. As hard, maybe not, but Macho Man in the exact same situation and then turning on Luger was his partner, right? It was Luger? Yeah, I think so. Him then turning on Luger and joining Hall and Nash, that'd be fun. I could, I don't know, I don't think it would have the same impact as Hogan, but I could definitely see it being like, what the fuck? Because, like, Hogan, you know, like, you had, you had, uh, you had Bobby being like, I told you the whole time he was a piece of shit, but you didn't really have that for Macho Man. So it would have been more like everyone on commentary would have been taken aback, but you probably wouldn't have garbage raining down uh, the same way. But it still would have been fun. Because I, I feel like Macho Man turning on Lex Luger is not as big of a deal as Hulk Hogan turning on Macho Man, especially considering the last time you had seen Hulk Hogan was teaming up with Macho Man to take on the alliance to end Hulkamania. Right. But whatever. Uh, so you got a, yeah, you got what you're listening to. What you're listening to my friend. I am finally listening to the long awaited release. Uh, been waiting about almost close to two years at this one, because uh, I had the absolute distinct honor of knowing the two individuals who helped put this album out, of course, talking about friends of the show, Tom Malfo and Travis Chantile of Modern Static Records. I'm talking about the long awaited release of Celebrity Therapist, the sophomore release for the Callous Dowboys. But no sophomore like, slump this is. Did you say that wrong? Dallas Callous Cowboys, Cowboys, right? Dallas Cowboys, right? Dallas Cowboys, yes, correct. Right. Got Jerry Jones on bass. He said Callous Dowboys, like it was it's weird. Yeah. No, you got you got Jerry Jones on bass, you got Dak Prescott on lead. Tony Romo on keyboard. Tony Romo on keyboard. Troy Aikman on sax. On <laughs> yes, the callous the callous Dowboys Callous following, following up their their uh very odd but very cool debut album, Life on Mars. It's a modern album for modern America. Made by Modern Static. Oh, look at that. Yeah. We are entering a weird time in kind of metal and hardcore, would you say? Yeah. Like, I'd agree. 100 Gex came on the scene, which they're not either. But in terms of like the purview of what listeners these days are listening to, and you don't quite understand what the fuck is going on, Cal's Dad Boys are kind of like that answer to the metalcore scene right now. Would you say that they are perhaps as big a shock to the system as I wrestled a bear once when they first came I out? I was thinking of they never got up to that level, but number 12 looks like you. Oh, okay. Dillinger pre-Ironworks, or, you know, but, Ironworks too, because they were trying to sound make a different, more modern sound on that album, so that kind of or maybe too. Or maybe, like, Danza, Danza 2. Danza, uh, early Dance Gavin Dance. 
uh-huh. uh, vein a couple of years ago where you're, they're really like, you know, things are cyclical, you know, fads come in and this is certainly not a fad band. Don't let me fucking mention that, but you know, kind of like how bucket hats are popular in the early two thousands. Bucket hats are starting to slowly climb back in there, but they're not sure how you're going to wear the bucket hat. <clears throat> The Callous Cowboys wear the absolute ever fucking shit out of this bucket hat of an album, man. And it's I, fucking incredible. I love how weird that metaphor was. On paper, the, this band should not work. But by God, they fucking make it work. And not what only they, that... What are they, they... They got like two vocalists and like... They have three vocalists, a violinist. They have somebody on samples who is also another vocalist. They have a saxophone player. They have a fucking beastly drummer. It's basically like take your favorite weird metal band and then like combine them with Yellow Card. Yeah, I. But I am just. They have the ferocity of Frontier. They have the fun horse the band elements to them. Ah, horse the band. Whereas Ryan's people, bringing out the fucking deep cuts. People are gonna hear that and they're gonna you know they're gonna be Jim Cornette all about it. But yep. it, they make it work, and I am just so incredibly proud of watching this play out and being delivered this amazing album, man. It's just, it works front to back. There are bands that do weird shit, and it never you never really understand where it's supposed to go, and you kind of feel like they're weird for the sake of weird. There are bands that figure it out after the fact. Um, and Dowboys feel like the latter. They feel like a band... Like, the first time I heard bands like I Wrestled a Bear Once or Tony Danza, Tap Dance Extravaganza or Psyopus, I came away being like... Like, I was a metal fan my whole life, and I was like, this is, this is noise, right? This isn't... Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't anything I'm supposed to, like, enjoy. Like, this is shit. And people were obviously ahead of the curve with me on this. Behold the Arctopus, another one that I got introduced to in that era where I was like, what is, like, who are these? Nothing makes sense. And but here's it the took thing a while for me to be able to be like, oh, fuck, I get it. And I kind of feel like that's the Dow Boys, except uh, the Dow Boys did not have, like, they weren't exactly toiling away in mediocrity. Like, their first album made a splash enough that modern static signed them. And then this one, this one's charting like this one's fucking charting. So here's the thing, right? All those bands you just mentioned, like the scene wasn't ready for them to succeed, right? They're always just kind yes. of be like their own little bubble. Yep. yep. Within the aspect of everything. Weird little extreme metal thing that you can't figure out. But now the landscape is waiting for a band like Calistat boys. I think that's a fair way to put it. We we needed because what is it we talked about with Desmond, right? Like, how many times can you reinvent a genre? Well, the answer mm -hmm. is not that many times. So maybe at some point you stop trying to reinvent a genre and you fucking Just deconstruct do your own it. fucking thing, right? You know, like, are we still going to be chugging out two thousand seven metalcore riffs these days? You know, how many times can we write a fucking friends and family fucking hardcore song? You got to do your own not, thing. Not in terms of sound but in terms of maybe shock Themes. to the system it makes me think of like when between the buried and me broke on the scene great point you know like again like not i'm not 
if you're a fan of Between a Buried and Me, don't assume you're going to like Dowboys. They don't sound the same. But in terms of like the first time people heard Between a Buried and Me, it was like, what is this weird mixture of shit? Like, how, what is it doing? How does this work? And it fucking works. And Dowboys are similar where you're like, I don't, I don't really get how this is supposed to work, but you do. And it's because sometimes once in a while, a band makes something truly unique that isn't just different for the sake of being different and like, look how spastic we are. Right. And that is probably their biggest selling point is like the songs are good, but beyond that, they're not a band you can easily put into a corner. They don't really make sense. And that is what is so cool. Also, you know, you have, I see the beginnings of community being established as well. Especially in a day and age where every time a guy is gone, Dillinger is gone, you know. So, uh, how can I explain it further? I think like they're going like they're going to usher in many people from sides of the table, right? They're going to usher in like you know uh, the scene in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off when the secretary mm-hmm. is listing off all the kids. You got the dweebs, you got the dorks, you got the spazos. Like they're ushering in all those kids, man. Everybody from the everybody from every side of the field is 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 listening to this band and appreciating this band, and they are on a fucking path. I'm very and excited to see where they go from here. Modern Static, right? The two bands that they have signed and put out a release for Moon Tooth and the Callus Dow Boys, it is I am of the opinion that Modern Static has helped to launch and has released two of the most unique bands in the modern metal landscape. And uh if uh if rumors are to be told or to be true, then you might just have more of those in the wake. Uh for me it's not about what I've been listening to, it's what I what I went through. I saw Rammstein last week. Oh, tell me, tell me. There is no way to adequately describe what I saw because every time I try, it just like sounds insane. At one point, the singer Till Lindemann took out a bazooka, shot two fireworks into the crowd that actually hit their 100-foot-tall subwoofers which then erupted into giant plumes of fire that you could feel from 100 feet away before then shooting fireworks back at the stage, causing the entire stage to explode. That's a thing that happened. That's a real thing that happened that I watched with my eyes. Did your life ever feel Uh, in danger? Yes. That moment, I was like, where are those going? There are people there. There are no wires. I don't know how the fuck that happened. Like, I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation, but I can't give it to you. Imagine that show, Jones Beach. Because that happened, and I had many people come up to me saying, I, I, I thought I was going to die at that show. thought I was going to die. I was not near the stage. The, these woofers were easily 100 feet away from me at MetLife Stadium. And when they played Zane, first off, the lights made the entire stadium look like it was fucking morning, like it was daybreak. And every time here comes the Zane... Eins. Every time they counted, fire erupting so fucking hot that I, it was raining and cold and I dried. I have no explanations wow. for what I saw. Not to mention they were flawless. They're flawless live. 
They're absolutely flawless. If they had only played, sounded that good, and did some lights, I would have been like, wow, that was incredible. What I saw is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I got to do it with my mom. My mom has seen a lot of bands in her time. We, Me and her saw Iron Maiden a few years back, and that was a hell of a spectacle. And my mom's been a metalhead since the 80s. You know, she saw Maiden on the Power Slave tour, and she's... You know, she saw fucking all the new metal bands when they first came out and all this shit. And just like no show that she's ever seen. She just saw fucking My Chemical Romance four or five times in a row. Like she was like, this is this is like the best show I've ever seen. I can't even call it a concert. It was an experience. It was like the greatest, the single greatest live event I've ever experienced. Uh, I don't know when they do it again, if they do it again. But like if you ever find yourself anywhere near an opportunity to go see Rammstein, pay the money, go do it, experience something you'll never experience ever again. Great way of putting it. Uh, so that's all we got here, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for taking us on this journey with us. Thank you for making this podcast for us to do. So for Ryan Doyle, for myself, this has been the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. This has been FFC. Tony Wanks Dogs. Tony Wanks Dogs.